You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. I love that we get to have some rivalry and competition between our campuses, but we are one church serving an incredible God and our senior pastors who we're blessed to have leading our ship. And if you're here and you're relatively new to life, I would love to encourage you to settle in and enjoy the good times as much as the challenging times, because like any church, there'll be things you don't necessarily enjoy, but there is power in the body of Christ coming together. And when we all lay down our own agendas and serve God's vision over this house, we could see something powerful take place. We are seeing something powerful take place. And if you haven't picked up the hint already today, we are going to be talking about the church. I'm passionate about it. But if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. And we're going to read from verses 13 to 19. Matthew 16, 13 to 19. I'm actually going to read out of the Message Bible. And I'm going to ask the team to put that on the screen if you did forget your Bible. Not a great start if you're coming to church without your Bible. But anyhow, we'll move right along from that. Matthew 16, verse 13 says this. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? What are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he is John the baptizer, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one or another of the prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Who do you say I am? First question, what do the people say? And then he presses further and Jesus says, who do you say I am? Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have, watch this, complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What a powerful scripture. Father, we thank you that you've given us the keys. Lord God, we thank you through your son, Jesus, we can access all of what you have for us. We thank you you've established your church here on earth as your primary expression to show the world there's hope in a hopeless situation, to show each one of us that there is a way far beyond our understanding or our ability, but if we would trust in you, you would do what only you can do. This morning, I pray that you would reveal to us afresh and in new ways who you are and what you want to do in and through our lives. We thank you you're here. As your Bible declares, where two or three are gathered, you're in the midst. As the Bible declares, where we lift our praise to you, you inhabit the praise of your people. And this morning we ask that you would do what only you can do. Father, I pray this wouldn't just be a message full of ideas or thoughts, Lord God, but you would speak in and through me to each one of us here this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever caught yourself saying something really genius 
that you didn't plan to say and you think, wow, that was awesome. Where did that come from? Only to discover there wasn't someone there to recognize how good you were. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I'm finding this with kids where, you know, I love my kids and they're they're probably causing havoc up there or blessing love and power to the kids ministry up there looking after them. They are awesome. But I remember one Sunday morning we had had something on on the Saturday. So it was a particular late night. If you know anything about my family, I've been in church my whole life, made a decision at three years of age at a kids, kids camp and never really looked back. And so My children are kind of another generation along from that. So if I was made to go to church morning and night, you can be assured they're going to be going to church morning and night. So it doesn't matter what happens on the Saturday, whether there's a wedding on or a 21st or a family gathering. It doesn't matter how late we are in church. That's just how it works in our household. And I remember being able to repay the favor this one particular Sunday to my kids as it was done to me as I grew up. And I was feeling quite good about it. I was tired myself, so I knew they were going to be tired. And Ruby, the four-year-old daughter, uh, she kind of wakes up like a teenager. She's not that chirpy in the morning. And so I remember going in there, shaking her, and this particular Sunday, Ruby, come on, Ruby, it's time to get up. Uh, Leave me alone, Dad. Ruby, come on, we've got to go to church. Dad, this was the response. Do we have to go to church? And I don't know where it came from, but it was just must have been in there because I've been in church for so long. I was like, Ruby, we don't have to go. We get to go. And I was thinking, yeah, that's awesome. And she kind of looks up. She goes, Dad, leave me alone. I want to go back to sleep. And I'm like, that was good. Like, I thought that was a really in the moment classic response of like, no, no, this is a revelation. You don't have to go. We get to go. And the challenge for you and I, I've been a Christian a little while, whether you've been here for five minutes or forever like myself, the danger of Christianity or the danger of having great churches that it's something we have to go to or tack on to the end of the calendar week rather than miss the point that we get to be the church. There's a very, very real difference. And I love the scripture because as Jesus posed these two questions, he was really trying to make a statement in those questions. Don't you love Jesus? Very practical, but very like in your face. He says, hey, uh, uh, disciples, you've been around a little while and we have the beauty of hindsight, so we know who Jesus is. They're still on this journey of figuring out that this guy's kind of different. And he says, hey, disciples, you've been with me a little while. Who do people say that I am? Who do those you know or have heard of in the streets talking that wouldn't talk around me? Who do they, what's their opinion of who I am? And isn't it interesting? The answers are, well, some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets or, you know, you're like John the baptizer, you're this, you're that. None of them said what or who he really was. And then he says, but who do you? Okay, enough about what other people's opinions are. What's your opinion of me. This morning, who is Jesus to you? Who, who, who is he to you? Because if he's just some guy that a preacher talks about on the stage, or just some guy we sing about with some Christian karaoke on the screens, or he's just someone you know of that was born in a manger or died on a cross, if you just know about the message, unfortunately, you're going to live a very limited Christianity until you get to know the messenger for yourself. And Jesus wants to challenge you and I this morning to not just go to church. I'm glad you've come to church because if we didn't come together, we wouldn't have this. But it is not just about going to church when we talk about being a Christian. 
It's actually coming to an understanding and a realization we get to be the church. Very, very real difference. I'm thankful that we get to come and encounter Jesus. I'm thankful that on a Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to be blessed, to then be filled up and go out in our week. I'm thankful that we get to have great coffee, great hangs, all of that good stuff, be encouraged and challenged by His Word. But more importantly, I am thankful that Sundays or church as we know it, even though we wouldn't say, oh, well, we intend to think this way, our, our, our mindsets are framed around what we are in right now as church, that it is an opportunity to not just be blessed for myself, but to carry what God has given me for the week ahead, not knowing what I may face, not knowing who I may encounter, but having the ability to carry the answer on the inside for what that may look like. And I want to challenge you because it's interesting to me in verse 18, Jesus makes it clear to Peter, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. Or another version puts it, where I will build my church. Jesus didn't say, hey, this building, this temple you see here, guys, is the church, full stop. But he chose to build the church on people. On people like you and I, on us ourselves, not in a building, not in a great service. Those are all great things, and I'm a believer of them, but he chose primarily to build the church on you and I, his sons and daughters. Jesus came, I believe, not just for a good story. He didn't come just to limit church and its experience to a building, but he came to build his church in his people so that when anyone from any walk of life, as far as we would say they're away from Christ or as close as they may be, that anyone that would come in contact with someone who carries the answer inside of them that carries the realization they are the church, that is how he chose to build it. So it's not just about sitting here. If you're here for the first time, like Johnny said, welcome, you're one of our guests. We're stoked to have guests here. We have them every Sunday. But it's not just about sitting here and having a great, happy, clappy club, hoping people come to discover what we've discovered, but actually get a revelation for ourselves about the messenger, not just the message, so that now we can see the church further extend outside the four walls. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful we're a part of a church that's not just about Sundays but we're actually about making a difference in our community, that we believe that businesses have the ability to generate funds to see those in need have an answer. His name is Jesus. That we wouldn't just do church, but we would bless the body of Christ in whatever sphere that is through our kingdom influence. I love that we get to be a part, if we call life home, that reach and that extensiveness. But I want to challenge and encourage you today that Jesus, he knew that if the church was just going to be limited to a building and a service at 8.40 a.m. on a Sunday morning here in the beautiful Albany, that it would not extend to the reaches it needed to. That he chose you and I to build his church on. Why? Because if it was all about what we're experiencing here on a Sunday at 8.40, then it would be all about this and not all about Jesus. Jesus knew the world would need the church, in other words, as we've been talking, you and I to be empowered to have an answer because he was only going to be here for such a limited time. That if he stayed here, then all we would do, let's be honest, hey, go see him. Hey, go see him. He's the guy. I know you've heard good stuff, but 
there's no point coming. I remember this moment in my life where I was at a youth conference called Get Smart, and it was awesome, and there was a great healing evangelist by the name of uh, Andy Kabbalah. And I don't know if I've shared this story before or not, but I'll never forget the moment as a 13 or 14-year-old kid, probably wreaking havoc at the youth camp, having fun, all of that good stuff. And he had done some amazing things in this healing uh, service on stage to the point where he got a young girl up. He said, I think there's a young girl here with back problems. And the reason you've got back problems and had them the whole life is one of your legs is shorter than the other. And it took a while for her to plug up the courage to come on stage. And sure enough, he got her to sit on a, a chair sideways and put another chair in. You know, we're talking at least 15, 10 to 15 centimeters difference. And it was one of those moments where you're praying with your eyes open because you don't want to miss what's going to happen. And he says, we're going to pray and your leg's going to grow and your back's going to get fixed. Now I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that's cool, but man, that's out there. <laughs> sure enough, lo and behold, God does an incredible work and the leg grows in front of our eyes, much to the amazement of everyone. And I thought that was the most amazing thing, but it was interesting that that day it wasn't the most amazing thing that took place. After that service, I had a lady who I knew because I've been in church my whole life come up to me with a very sore throat and could only talk like this. And she said, hey, Luke, can you pray for my throat? And literally, Andy's like 10 meters away. I'm like, uh, Angela, go talk to Andy. Did you see what I saw? <laughs> I'm a 14-year-old kid. No, God told me you need to pray for it. Well, that's great, but I'm not praying for it. You know, what a brat, eh? <laughs> Andy's right there. I'll go get him for you. You know what I mean? It's like, I know the guy that can fix it. It's not about knowing about the guy that fixes it. It's about understanding that God wants to use you and I to build his church on it. And I'll never forget, I kind of ran out of options, got backed into the corner. So I said, I just put my hand on her throat. I said, Jesus, heal her throat. Amen. Like, I kind of didn't care. I was just like, get out of the way. Like, this is getting awkward. <laughs> And she goes, oh, thanks so much. I was like, whoa, what? She goes, it's all better now, thanks. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? And I'll never forget that moment because it was a different realization. I'd been in church literally my whole childhood, but it was a different realization that it wasn't just about someone who possessed power, but that Jesus chooses you and I as the Bible puts it, to build his church on. So therefore, if we have an understanding and an openness, God will do his work if we will do ours. But if you're like me, you can be guilty of just going to church rather than being the church. So I'm going to look at three simple things that I think hopefully you'll remember and capture because I'm pretty practical in nature. And I hope these would be things you remember throughout the week. Uh, in terms of what the difference I would say or, or how we would help ourselves to not just go to church, which is a good thing to do, but be the church. And I like to rhyme because I'm from South Auckland, so bear with me. Number one, embrace the grace. All right, if there's anything you remember this week, I've got to embrace the grace. That's the first thing we've got to do. Isn't it interesting that as we read in verse 18... That, be, that, that Peter is the guy Jesus chooses the church to be built on. Well, if you read a few scriptures on, you start to discover it's the same Peter who denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, all man, all God, knew what was coming, yet still chose 
to build the very expression of how the world would be impacted through people that were about to fail him. This is good news because it doesn't matter who you are, where you find yourself today, where you've come from, even what you've done as early as this morning or this week. Jesus still chooses you and I. The question I have is, will you and I choose ourselves? Will you and I embrace the grace that's been given? Oh, you better be careful, Luke, because grace just gives people a license to sin. No, the Bible makes it really clear that there is consequences, good and bad, depending on the decisions you and I choose to make. But it makes it super clear that Jesus came to make a way where there was no way. Jesus chose Peter before, Je- before Peter denied Jesus. Think about it from Peter's point of view for a moment. <laughs> He's just had this amazing moment where Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. My church that's going to bring the keys to the kingdom, my church that's going to make a difference for generation after generation. I choose you. And then a few days later, <laughs> Oh, crap. <laughs> I guess you can say that here. We can say it down south, so. <laughs> joking, joking. The reality is God, God chooses and empowers you and I. God chooses and empowers you and I, but you and I have to make a conscious decision to embrace the grace he's already given Yeah, I get that, Luke, but there's some things that are unresolved. Jesus still chose and still chooses you. Does it mean that we have to walk through a few journeys to get free from some stuff that's still holding us back? 100%. But it does not disqualify the grace that's coming towards you. The Bible makes it clear that sin separates us. But God's love is always there, and in one moment of decision, we may fall out of relationship because of sin, but in one decision, you can jump right back in. You and I need to choose to embrace the grace. I love what 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 to 10 in the Message Bible says, three times I did that and he told me, my grace is enough, it's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Paul writes, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I am become. Paul discovered that we all want to live a perfect life. We all want to get it together. But he also discovered that even when he failed or even in his weakest moment, Jesus didn't turn a blind eye. He stepped in even more. It wasn't about a disqualification of the grace, but it was about a need and an invitation for more of it. What would it take for you and I this year to overcome in Christ? that our weaknesses wouldn't be the things that hinder us, but actually be the trampolines that springboard us into his grace and his power to overcome. So number one, simply put, we've got to embrace the grace. 
Is this all right? Second rhyme. We need to chase the face. Chase the face. If you say it right, then it rhymes. So we'll go with that. You know, as much as I love our senior pastors, Pastor Paul and Marie, as much as I am thankful for who they are and the, the vision God has given them for life that I'm willing and love to serve under, it's not their responsibility, but my responsibility. It's our responsibility when it comes to our and my relationship with Jesus. As great as they are, they can't do that for you. As incredible as God's vision is over this house, we get to be under and in, we still have to chase the face of Jesus in our own accord. It can't just be reliant on even a Sunday service for 20 minutes at 8.40 to 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Why? Because if that's all it is, if it's the one and a half or the one hour, 15 minutes on a Sunday that you're here, I can guarantee you the rest of your week will outweigh. It will outweigh the good things that take place here because you've got a whole lot more than an hour and 15 barking at you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even Sunday, and on repeat and on repeat and on repeat. We have to make a decision not just to allow going to church to be the representation in our lives of chasing after Jesus, but find in your own way and in your own strength the ability to continually do that on the daily. Hebrews 12 verse 2 to 3 in the Amplified Version says this, Looking away from all that will distract us, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief, and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and his completion of his work. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. I'm thankful for Jesus, but if I do take longer than two seconds to comprehend what he did, it moves me to realize and put into perspective that I may have not made a great decision this week or things might not be going the way I want them to go right now, but in comparison of what Jesus has done for me, we're good. The story, the message, the man of Jesus gives you and I permission to believe again. It gives you and I permission to stand again. It gives you and I the ability, even though we're yet to see what we were believing to see, faith to say, I can believe for Jesus to do in my life what he did at the cross by overcoming the grave. You and I have got to continue to come back to Jesus. Why? Because without Jesus, we don't get God. Without Jesus, we don't get the empowerment. Without Jesus, it's Jesus full stop. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you and I can keep coming back to Jesus... It will be in an amazing thing of a shift in your mindset that will eventually flow on into the realities and the outworkings of your life to say that he actually is all I need. Do I need wisdom? Yes. 
Do I need to make right decisions? Yes. Do I need good people around me? Yes. Do I need to get in a connect group? Yes. Do I need a great church? Yes. Do I need, do I need? Yes. You need all of those ingredients, but really they don't make the cake if Jesus ain't the staple. Jesus is who you and I need. Not only do we need to embrace the grace that is given to us, but before anything else, we need to continually chase after his face. Create room in your daily life, some which way or another. I've had the privilege of the last few weeks sitting in some of this great Auckland traffic, coming down from the north, and, you know, I'm like, I could either be frustrated or I can realize I've now got 40 minutes to pump some worship music on and really spend some time with God because I'm always complaining about how I don't have time because I've got young kids and everything's in the way, and, da, 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 and I'm like, this is an opportunity to either be absolutely ticked off at the road systems here, and if you work for the road systems, I love you, (laughs) or it's an opportunity for me to find a new way to actually spend some time in God's presence. i got to find ways, you've got to find ways to continually chase the face of Jesus. And finally, not just embrace the grace, not just chase the face, but the third and final rhyme is pace the race. Pace the race. In your life, realize, even in your Christianity, more so, realize it's a journey. Realize that you and I will never arrive. Now, in my humanity, I go, well, what's the point of even starting? But I've come to discover that even a little shuffle is movement forward that even the slightest level of increase is heading in the right direction. And I think one of the main reasons, I really do, I've been, like I said, in church my whole life, I think one of the main reasons Christians get robbed of understanding and encapsulating this idea that God has sent Jesus for you and I to be the church and not just go to church, is that society or our mindsets would tell us we have to arrive. It's the one thing that robs us because if we can't see ourselves being able to get to the finish line or arrive, then it's like that. Why do I start? Or it's too hard, so I'll just give up. Or what is the point of life in all of this when we get robbed of understanding that God invites us into the journey of life and the journey of faith that it's not just about the temporal things here on earth that are the finish line. But we are here for something greater. We are here, and I'm thankful that Jesus causes us to inhabit this earth and have his presence in our lives and through our lives, but it's for a far bigger plan and purpose than you or I could ever fathom or imagine. But we've got to learn to pace the race. Society in our day and age, with all sorts of social media and all of that good stuff, there comes some challenge with it. Because it's basically, as we've heard preached probably many times over, an opportunity for you and I to view every single person that's, that we're following's highlight reel. It's basically what it is. There's a few people that are willing to put every one of the hundred selfies on that the duck lips didn't get right for, but by and large, everyone just puts the one they're most happy with. And so we cause our minds to think, well, if there have arrived or they're this far along, or it's all good for them, or they always seem to be on holiday, or whatever it may be, 
that we now start to subliminally tell ourselves, unless I can see myself being able to achieve it, I won't start it. Because consumerism is, hey, I'm going to assess whether I'm going to buy that dependent on what it means for me. And sometimes we can bring that in to our Christianity. Whereas Jesus says, no, I I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible goes on to say, his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are far greater. (laughs) That you and I won't actually get to be God. So let's just park that. Close the garage door. Throw the remote away. Don't open it again. He's God, full stop. Then there are going to be things that don't make sense or don't measure up or we haven't yet seen or yet to be completed, but in him we are new creations. In him all things are complete. In him and through him we have the ability to run the race well. Pace the race. I love this scripture. I'm sure you've heard it if you've been in church a little while. Galatians 6 verse 9 to 10. Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap if we do not give in. So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith, born again believers. You see, the challenge for us is, to actually move away from the comparison game. The challenge for us is to actually not even in this room look at those and say, well, if only I was like them. The challenge for you and I is to not just be all about the finish line. If you don't have a target, you don't know where you're aiming, so you've got to have somewhere to go. But comparison is what robs you and I from enjoying the journey God has given us. And I don't want you to get distracted, but as the team come and join me, I want you to consider whether comparison has been something in your world or is something in your world that is robbing you from feeling like every day is a victory in Christ. Because if you compare yourself to someone else, I'm speaking from experience, you only ever live disappointed. Like, it might feel okay for a while because you've found someone that you're better than. So you find someone you compare yourself to that's not as good as you in that area, and you're like, yeah. But it doesn't take long till someone else's Instagram photo (laughs) or someone else turns up to the company or your kid starts a new sport and someone else rolls up in a better car than you. Whatever it may be, it doesn't take a whole lot of time or it doesn't take much for you to start now feeling disappointed or at a loss. Why? Because comparison was in your life to the point where you were feeling good about life because you were finding people to compare your life with that you were better than. But if comparison is how you and I live our life, then there'll always be an opportunity for that to be washed away in an instant. And the moment you start seeing it, the moment you can't stop seeing it, And God's called you and I to live different lives. You can't live my life. I can't live yours. God's called all of us to live our best life. He chose you and I, even though you and I would say, "Mm, don't choose me yet. (laughs) The difference between Christianity, the church, and religion is simply this. 
that Jesus says, here I am, come as you are. And religion says, uh, no, I'll get my things sorted first so that I feel worthy enough to accept what you're giving me. But for many people, we have to, on a daily basis, walk through religion to get to relationship. We have to get past feeling like we have the finish line completed for Jesus to now do what only he could do and for us to now be the church. But Jesus says, no, guess what? The pastor you saw on stage, he's not turning up to your work on Monday. Guess what? That worship leader that led you in an amazing moment, she ain't going to be at your kid's sports practice on Tuesday. Guess what? You know that business meeting you're going into where you need favor? Well, they're not going to be able to come and pray with you for breakfast on Wednesday morning. It continues and it continues. And once we get it, it all changes where Jesus chooses us to not just have an opportunity to go to church, but to be the church, to call on heaven, no matter whether we feel at the pit of our life or whether we feel like we've run way past the finish line. He chooses you and I, and we've just got to embrace the grace. And then he says, hey, it's not just about embracing the grace, but if you would on a daily basis, just at the very least say, Jesus, would you turn up and be in control today? I guarantee you, money back guarantee. I guarantee if you give him just even that, you will be gobsmacked at what God does in your life. Does it take all the bad stuff away? No, no one can promise you that because we live in a fallen world. But it does give you answers when you feel like you need the answer right now. It does give you hope in a hopeless situation. It gives you the ability to see the way he sees. And even though you may be like Peter and say, yeah, but I've denied Jesus. Or I've done some stuff. Jesus wouldn't choose me. No, let the scripture be the encouragement today. That he chooses you and I, the Bible says, even before mom and dad decided to have you. Or maybe they didn't decide to have you, but you're here. Guess what? Jesus chose you well before that moment ever existed. And he says, if you would just embrace me, not try and rationale with me, not try and get it all together. That's religion. But if you would come to me, you watch what I'll do with your life and you will see your life, not just be a life of good stuff, but your life be a life. The Bible says of abundance where I will do what only I can do in and through your life. And then third and finally, pace the race, get to a place where you're okay that, hey, today I actually didn't get any further forward. I took a step back uh, forward and then somehow I found myself two steps back. It's a journey. Don't buy into the lie that you have to arrive every single day or even in your lifetime. If you do what God has put in front of you, it's amazing how fulfilled your life will become when you trust in what Jesus is doing and what he's already done for you. Maybe you're here and you say, man, it's it's challenging and it makes sense, but I, I don't yet have this relationship with Jesus, then, you know, I'm dead serious when I say it's just actually about a decision point to accept him and then everything changes. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.